Welcome to Please Define, with your host, Rex Emerson Jackson. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the second episode of Please Define. This podcast is just starting up and we're learning as we go. But along the way, we're going to explore the way gender impacts the lives of those around us. In today's show, I wanted to talk to my friend Rebecca about the autism spectrum and how gender and gender bias affects women on the autism spectrum. So without further ado, here is today's show. Hi, Rebecca. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for inviting me to your podcast. No problem. Thank you for coming. (laughs) So um, autism is a term we've heard thrown around more and more these days. Could you describe in a few sentences what that means to you? Sure. For me personally, autism means that I have a really hard time with social cues. I cannot read body language, I cannot read facial expressions properly, and I tend to be a little bit self-centered and I really do try to work on all that. Um, But I think for me, most of all, what it means is that my entire life I've felt really misunderstood Mm. and I've never, and I didn't know why until I received my diagnosis. Right. So um, there are some people who believe in a certain model of autism known as the extreme male brain. This is a term that was coined by Simon Baron-Cohen. It's based on certain categories called systemizing and empathizing. Uh, Systemizing is like being able to follow rules, categorize things, predict behaviors of systems, um, and empathizing is the drive to identify another person's emotions and thoughts and to respond to these things with the right emotion. And since systemizing is traditionally associated with a more male brain and empathizing is traditionally associated with a more female brain, um, in Cohen's theory, people with autism tend to have extreme male brains because they're better at systemizing. Um, Have you heard of this theory? I have very much so heard of this theory. (laughs) And this theory can kind of cause a misconception in the medical community that boys are more likely to be diagnosed with autism. Uh, And what most of the advocacy community thinks is that girls simply present differently. Like they, they say, if you've met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism. Uh, So this leads me to a few questions I'd like to ask. Do you think it's hard for women to be diagnosed with autism because of this male brain theory? I think it is. um, And I think one of the biggest factors that lead women to not be diagnosed is because we present differently. When we we don't necessarily have interests that might be out of the norm. For example, a lot of boys, it seems, who are diagnosed have some pretty interesting interests that some people that would raise a red flag, such mm-hmm. as an interest in train schedules or being able to name every single make of car, something that might raise a red flag to a medical professional that, hmm, this is a very interesting way of systemizing information. It becomes almost obsessive. Yeah. So perhaps autism is something we can look at. Whereas I think for women, we do have special interests, but they're a little more, I don't want to say normal because I don't like using that word, but mm-hmm. they're not as 
different. They're not as obscure, perhaps, whereas some, I know for myself, one of my interests has always been reading, and I would read obsessively as a child, but nobody ever thought, hey, there's something wrong with that kid because she's reading an awful lot. Most people are happy when a kid reads. Right. Um, so I certainly think that women are overlooked because they're look they're they're trying to see the same symptoms in males that they're in as in females, and it's just not there. We do go under the radar a lot. Right. So do you think autism is more prevalent in boys? No, I would actually say it's even though statistically I think boys are diagnosed a lot more. I mm-hmm. think there's hundreds of thousands of women out there who don't have a diagnosis either because they've never been able to recognize that their symptoms or the difficulties they're having are part of a syndrome or that they've been able to get along in contemporary society well enough that their pro- that their symptoms aren't causing them any problems that they we've flown under the radar for so long right. that um, unfortunately, we're just not getting diagnosed, but I certainly don't think it's because it's more prevalent in males. I think it's easier to diagnose in males because of the red flags that are there, whereas women were, our symptoms are a lot more subtle. Right. That takes a lot, it takes a, it takes a very skilled professional, and I think certainly in women, um, we are more apt to be diagnosed as we're old, when we get older as opposed to when we're younger. Mm-hmm. Exceptions to that rule might be in families if the if a younger sibling has autism, then the parents might be recognize some of the symptoms in if they have a daughter. But I would say a lot of women like myself go through their up until their mid-twenties and older without a diagnosis because nobody's there to recognize this isn't right. You're okay, but there's something amiss. Right. And your symptoms, and you know, you're not alone, that you're not crazy, you're mm-hmm. not, you're not mentally ill. You're, this is just a part of who you are. Right. And do you think this later diagnosis is, is kind of harmful? Like, do you think women who are diagnosed later miss out on certain things that could have helped if they'd been diagnosed younger? I do. I, I'm i not one to, to live in the past, so to speak, mm-hmm. but I often wonder what my life would have been like had I been diagnosed, you know, at nine or 10 um, instead of 27, which is when I did receive my diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, I certainly think going through school would have been a lot different. Um, And sometimes I wish, wow, I did have a diagnosis back as a teenager because it would have made going through high school a lot easier because... Being a teenager is confusing enough. (laughs) Going through high school with the social difficulties that teenagers present with anyways Mm. is hard. Being an undiagnosed female with autism is hell. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine. Um, so this kind of leads into, this question has kind of been answered already, but, um, since many people believe that autism presents differently in girls, um, how, how does that affect you and other, uh, other women, you know, on the spectrum? 
I think, as you said earlier, when you've met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism. Yeah. So there's no like female so, stereotype either. Yeah, I don't think there's a really, I don't think there's something that necessarily links all women with autism together. I think the only thing is, and it's not even just specific for women, it's really specific for everybody. And that's, it's the red thread that sort of holds us all together. And that's a dif- difficulty with social interaction. And I think that's really the only, the only thing that you can say that really links us all together, male or female together, is that difficulty with social interaction. Otherwise, everybody presents differently. Everybody has different interests and different needs and different desires for what they want their life to be. Okay. So I think it's really hard to sort of say this what is, it's like. This is what it's like for women, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, this is a random question, but um, what do you think about media depiction? Like, do you think do you think women are left out of that as well? I do. Um, I it's it's one of my personal gripes is whenever I've mentioned to people I have autism. Oh. So if I was to drop these matchsticks, would you be able oh, to take me? Yeah, I'm like, not a man. No. Okay. I'm not a savant. I have some interests. I've been told I'm relatively intelligent in terms of IQ, mm-hmm. but I'm not a savant. So no. I hate that depiction. That's my most loathed depiction of autism is that we're all Rain Man. Yeah. Um, but that being said, I'm... Although it's a children's show, I'm really, really happy that Sesame Street has a female autistic puppet. Yeah. Because I think that's amazing because normally they're males. Mm-hmm. Normally males are the ones who are shown with autism. I mean, I think we can all safely say, yeah, Sheldon from the Big, Big Bang Theory has autism. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's I think more women need to be depicted in media with having autism because we are out there. We do exist. And it's would be nice to see it from a female point of view. Yeah, it's, it's really important to be able to see yourself in the media. I know myself as a trans person, I'm always looking for that portrayal of myself, and it's hard to find sometimes. For sure, for sure. I can't even think of a single show right now that that has an autistic female character other than a children's puppet show. Right, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm drawing a blank here. (laughs) I mean, certainly there are some well-known females on the spectrum. I mean, obviously, when we think of females, you know, we think of Temple Grandin. Mm -hmm. But other than that, I'm really drawing a blank (laughs) for well-known, prolific females on the autistic spectrum. Yeah. So uh, what do you think women with autism need most right now? And I think we've kind of touched on some of these things. I think we need to have our voices heard and realize that everybody presents differently regardless of, of who you are, that the only clear defining characteristic of being a female on the autism spectrum, in my, in my opinion, and what I've observed in my own female friends with autism, is that is that we all have that difficulty with social interaction. But as we prefaced earlier, that's common across the board. Mm -hmm. So I really think what women need right now is to be understood and not ridiculed and to 
to have people be aware of that women are on the autism spectrum, that it does exist, um, and it's a lot more common than you think. Yeah. So more more representation, more... Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay, well, is there is there anything else that you would like the listeners of this podcast to know about your experience about I guess I guess really is if you recognize the symptoms in yourself Mm -hmm. and there's very good websites out there um, certainly I uh, would recommend you know the Johns Hopkins website the Harvard website for understanding information about autism spectrum disorders to anybody out there who feels a little bit different who isn't really sure of themselves you know what there's a good chance that there could be autism could be an explanation for a lot of your difficulties and honestly getting a diagnosis for myself was the best thing I ever did um my confidence has grown so much because I was finally able to have an explanation for for my difficulties mm-hmm. and why I was the way I was and um it's definitely hard being a female with autism because people don't necessarily understand you. But when you have that diagnosis, you will find people who will respect you and like you for just the way you are. So don't be afraid to get a diagnosis. It can be life-changing. All right. Well, that's um, that's all everybody really wants is, I guess, to understand themselves and to, to fight for that, like when, cause I, I, I assume it's probably difficult to even get a diagnosis sometimes as a woman because doctors can be prejudiced. Mm-hmm. I was actually misdiagnosed as oh. ha- a border, as having a, an avoidant personality disorder. Oh yeah. And then I saw a psychiatrist who worked with my doctor mm-hmm. and she's like, yeah, I don't think you have autism. And then she called about a week later and said, you know, I just don't know enough about it. I'm uh, going to see a specialist, someone mm-hmm. who does this full time. They just diagnose they just diagnose adults and children with autism. They don't they don't specialize in any other other parts of psychiatry. And it was that doctor who gave me my diagnosis. OK, so it's, it's really important to find someone who knows yes. what they're looking for, because yes. it's it's you need to look for something specific. Yes, it's, especially if you're a female, we present so, so differently than males that, um, this, that you're going to have to have a doctor who recognizes, who has the experience to, to know what they're looking for, who, um, and I certainly can't speak highly enough of the doctor who diagnosed me. He was absolutely fabulous. Mm-hmm. Um, he's here in Hamilton and, um, he was wonderful. And so y- if you, if you, if your listeners are looking for a diagnosis, um, it can be expensive if you don't want to go through OHIP, but there are doctors who do specialize in, who, who do, who will do a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but I know some of my friends have gone through a private agency and, um, and if that's what you want, certainly go for it, but just let you know that there are psychiatrists who can diagnose you and it won't cost you a dime. <laughs> Always good. <laughs> Is there anything else we can really talk about? Is there anything else, anything else that you would want people to know? Oh, I'm trying to think. Yeah. Um, I guess this is not necessarily for people with autism, yeah. but more for people who are friends with people with autism. Your friend with autism tries their best. The world is a very frightening place for somebody with autism, so be patient, be kind, be understanding. They don't necessarily mean to come across perhaps brash or rude. It's just that Sometimes we don't have filters. And what is sort of an intuitive behavior for most people is not intuitive for an autistic person. Mm-hmm. For the social niceties, saying, good morning, how are you? How was your weekend? Can I help you with something? Those are things that most people take for granted but for a lot of us on the spectrum, those are learned behaviors. They're not something that comes naturally to us. It's something that we've had to have years of practice to do. So sometimes we slip up and right. we don't mean to be rude. <laughs> so to all of our friends out there and our family members, thank you for sticking by us, even though I'm sure we've been horribly rude and selfish at times. <laughs> And I can imagine that if it doesn't come naturally to you, it's a lot more work it to, is. to exist in these social spaces. It is. Um, speaking of work, I actually do work. I have a full-time job. And sometimes I say, when you're working a job with autism and you have autism, it's like you're working two jobs. Hmm. Because one is the actual job that you do every day to get to make money. The other one is getting out of bed being social, interacting with people, and that, that takes a lot out of you because it's exhausting at the end of the day, mm. <laughs> trying to, to keep that that level of socialness up, for lack of a better word. <laughs> socialness <laughs> is a good word. <laughs> it can be exhausting. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Okay, well, um, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. <laughs> no problem. I'm kind of excited that we got to do this, and I hope we've helped broaden the definition of autism for some people. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. So um, please feel free to come back anytime. Okay. Well, thank you. No problem. See you later. See you. Well, friends, thank you for listening and supporting Please Define. I'm sure we'll have plenty of stories about gender to talk about as time goes on. If you're interested in speaking about your experience on the show, or you just want to stay up to date with episodes and information, you can look us up at Please Define on Facebook, and the podcast is also available at Please Define on iTunes. I'm going to end with a quote by E.E. Cummings. It takes courage to grow up and become who you really are. Good night, folks.